I've supplied uh, my, myself. I, I got this off the Internet many years ago when I learned about a, a brother named uh, Jesse Mills, who's a, a Church of Christ preacher. And uh, I believe he's a, a full-blooded Indian, but I forget which tribe it was. I saw a picture of him with his headdress on. But he's not grown on the reservation, I don't think. I believe he grew up on a farm in the south somewhere. But nonetheless, he's proud of that. He, um, he's no longer with us. Uh, he was born in 1928, and I believe he passed away in uh, 2018. So I think he was 89 or 90 when he passed on. But he's, uh, he's a very intelligent man. And each family, I think I've given one of these pamphlets, it's just something to keep. And what it is, is the elders and preachers' qualifications. Well, we're not talking too much about preachers there uh, in these lessons. Um, but we are talking about the elders. Now, Titus is specific to the eldership, whereas in Timothy we have both the elders and deacons uh, being spoke of. But here, uh, for the uh, eldership, we find it in Titus in a, in a very succinct, uh, succinct way. As a matter of fact, uh, he recommends that, that uh, you study Titus 1, 5 through 9, of course, um, the pivotal verses for the eldership. But there's, there's other verses that we're going to be dealing with. Yeah, we're going to deal with the whole, the whole letter, but um, because of our lack of uh, elders, I want us to get educated, uh, re-educated, uh, and everything else. That's why I'm bringing in uh, not only the Scripture and, and the original language of the Scripture, but also um, the writings and thinkings of Jesse Mills, who's not only a preacher, uh, but had been an elder in a number of congregations throughout his life. Um, he was brought up in the Restoration Churches and became a, a preacher and then a preacher that dealt uh, kind of specifically with fulfilled prophecy, uh, preaching, um, and, and things of that sort, but nonetheless a preacher of the gospel and um, a very qualified man. You know, this is an observation from older Christian men on congregations, assemblies everywhere, the eldership, the, the pitfalls and, and the strengths and things, that's what you're going to get from him from a Bible perspective. And we'll talk about that later in the lesson. So we're studying the scriptures here that define the, the, uh, uh, the elders within the assembly, the overseers of the Lord's flock. That, that's who they are. The overseers, that's their job description, I guess. They're elders um, in a, a number of ways. That's got a kind of a Jewish connotation to it. Uh, the elders that sit, sit in the gate of the city and the elders are the older men. And uh, not everyone wants to own up to the fact they're elderly. But nonetheless, within the faith, an elder can be a man that's 40 years old in the faith. Um, and I've, I've known some even younger uh, that were certainly elders indeed within the brotherhood. But typically the older men are the elders, and some of them 
uh, or elders for many years. Now, hopefully, we can accomplish the same task that was given to Titus by the Apostle Paul, because that's what we find here in this letter. To set down elders in every assembly in Crete. That was Titus's mission uh, for the moment. Uh, we don't have to travel to Crete to do this, although it would probably be a good idea. But we don't have to. We're, uh, we're in Coolidge, Arizona, and there's plenty of work to do right here. And uh, that's why we need to certainly consider this because of this. Now, this is, I don't believe this is my opinion. This is the opinion I hold because, to me, to, this is an apostolic dictate or command, if you will. This is not optional for the assembly, but the very will of the Lord that each assembly have elders within it. Now, a lot of time has passed since the instructions of the apostle to uh, Timothy. But, you know, in a sense, today, we have millions of times of more Bibles in the hands of millions of more people uh, within the world we live in, much, much expanded since the, uh, 2,000 years ago. Um, I believe that Titus was written in about A.D. 63, somewhere in that neighborhood. But you know, nothing has changed in God's Word since A.D. 63, or A.D. 53, or 43, or whatever. Nothing's changed. Uh, the passing of time, the cultural changes, um, the modernization of this, that, and another thing. The church, the Lord's church, does not need modernized as far as the, the doctrine goes. It could stand some modification. Uh, we, keep up, we keep up so we can present ourselves to be visible. And to be visible, sometimes we have to be more, uh, we have to keep up with technology, keep up with uh, ideas of the culture so that we can be heard and seen. The Lord's Church is not to be mystical, hidden, Highest living in the mountaintop. That's not the Lord's church. The Lord's church is visible and available. And as Roger said this morning, friendly enough to walk across the street to the next door neighbor. That's the Lord's church. Now that's not religion, friends. That's not how religion is practiced in the world we live in. It never has been. So, we study these things and do the very best we can to be faithful to the commands of the Lord. And I say that in not a way to somehow minimize the qualities of the men, but when I say do the very best we can, that's, that's all that we can do many times in our understanding. And as I said last week, the obstacles to bringing elders into the congregation is astonishing in the climate we live in today. As I said, the old pendulum swing, we've got way over here, that's the best we got, and way over here, there's nobody here that could ever be an elder. That's, that's, where, that's where we're at. Somehow in the middle there, we, we never meet. 
Um, and I, I, I read a study um, a number of years back <clears throat> about the disappearing of the eldership within the Church of Christ. Now, I say Church of Christ because I'm, uh, I, I consider the Restoration Church the Church of Christ, and I don't get into the particular preferences of some of them. Um, but it's disappearing. And I'll tell you the reason it's dis- disappearing. Hard hearts and ignorance of God's word. That's the reason. It's not that there aren't men that should be elders. And, and it just keeps going away and going away. Also, I heard another uh, account many years ago that I'd like to bring up. When the Nazi party in Germany, uh, they, they were pretty famous for persecuting different people for different things, as you know. Uh, well, when they finally uh, set their eyes on the, on the church, which was the Church of Christ that was in Germany, in the area, and there were a number of them. I'm talking about loyal churches um, that were simply churches of Christ. They went into those churches, and you know what they did? They went in and took the elders out of those congregations, and they never saw them again. It happened to every one of them. What did that do? It weakened, it weakened the church. It was, of course, it was debilitating to the folks there. And it caused, it caused an almost disappearance. Uh, of course, people want it kind of went underground a little bit, but that that took away the structure. And how is it that the Nazis can know that the eldership is necessary in the church, but we can't? That's the first thought I had. They understood it. We've forgotten it in the restoration movement. You see, I remember the elders in the church that I grew up in. Uh, They were our elders. They helped us. They guided us. They were were, uh, friends of and brothers to our, our preacher. They worked together for the good of the Lord's church. That's what I remember. They knew what they were doing. But we left off in verse 9. I'm going to pick up there by reading it. Holding, it says. And by the way, that's in the middle voice. That means the, the, uh, it's the, the elder that is the one that's holding. He's not being forced to. This comes from him. This is him doing it. Holding according to the teachings, the steadfast word, that he may be able also to exhort in the sound teaching and the gainsayers to convict. And as I said before, that verse is so powerful. These qualities, the qualities mentioned in this verse, are not to be found missing or weak in the men that are desiring the work of the elder or the eldership in general. These things need to be there. And I don't believe that the things that we read here are anything that you couldn't see just by being around 
these people for a, a while. Now, one thing about uh, the eldership is it's, it's people you know. You know, uh, that's one of the things. How would you know if someone is, uh, you know, uh, holding to and steadfast and that, if you haven't been around them for a while, seen them go through good times and bad times? This is how we learn. That's why I remember as a young man, the men in the church, I remember most all of the folks, but especially those that I had activity with. And in the church I was raised in, the young boys were taught to be preachers and teachers. When you grew up, that's what you were going to do. That, that was their pattern. Well, I think that's also true. It's something that's kind of been lost. Um, but nonetheless, it, it needs, to be, needs to be done. Now, uh, that, was, that was the opportunity for all the young, young men. But the work, the work of the eldership is formable. Uh, it, it's, it's, a, it's a task that's daunting. It's difficult. And I think it's all we've got to do is just read the text that follows here. Titus 1 through, uh, 10 through 16. And we'll find out uh, what's being said, what the apostle is telling the evangelist here. Because these elders and the qualities, but here's what they're going to face. For there are, and this is verse 10, for there are many both insubordinate, vain talkers, and mind deceivers, especially they of the circumcision, the, the Judaizers, I suppose he's talking about here, whose mouth is, it behooveth to stop, who whole households do overturn, teaching what things it behooveth not for filthy lucre's sake. In other words, they subvert and mislead for, for money some sort of monetary uh, situation. And he goes on to say, and certain, a certain one of them, a prophet of their own, says, Cretans, always liars, evil beasts, lazy bellies. Now, some would ask, is that what the Cretans were? Or, but the next verse kind of clears it up. This testimony is true. For which cause, which cause convict them sharply that they may be sound in the faith. In other words, these people, the gainsayers, are saying this about the, the, the Cretans. And of course, there's going to be some liars and, and evil people, but they're, they're really going out on a limb here and labeling the whole crowd. Those men need to be stopped. They're speaking, their preaching and all needs to be uh, confronted with the truth. And who's called to do this? The hired preacher or the elders? It's the elders, friends. The elders. Not giving heed to Jewish fables and commands of men, turning themselves away from truth. All things indeed, 
are pure to the pure, and to the defiled and unsteadfast is nothing pure. But of them defiled even the mind and the conscience. God they profess, profess to know, and in the works they deny him, being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work disapproved. So the task of the elders is to confront the gainsayer, is to is to re- keep the evil, keep the uh, the uh, the uh, as it says here is the old uh, Jewish fables and and the other false teachings out of the body of Christ. That's their what that's their major goal. No, it's not what color the building's going to be painted, or the, are we going to put carpet or tile down? Those aren't the, the work of the elders, although, you see, they sign the checks, they say. Well, that's, that's not necessary, uh, necessarily true. Are they aware of the finances of the congregation? Of course they are, because they're responsible to the Lord for the well-being of the congregation, which would mean everything. Finances how the folks are doing, what do they need, how can they help. The main thing, though, is that the people need to come to the elders to find out about the Word of God and what it says. How can they solve their problems? How can God help them in their difficulties? Yes, the evangelist is also good and helpful in this way. But he is the minister of the gospel. The elders are the shepherd of the flock, answerable to the Lord for his work. So strength, as we read in verse 15, strength in the faith and purity of the soul must live together in the elders of the assembly. These qualities live together. Strength, you see, a lot of people think that a strong man is a man who will, if somebody picks a fight with him, he simply beats them to a pulp. And that's a strong man. Well, it might be a strong man in the fact that he, he, he overcome his opponent uh, in a physical way. But this isn't the strength that makes a man strong especially in in the eyes of God. It's strength in the faith. And to be strong in the faith, they need to know the Word of God, all of it. They need to understand it. That is their mission in life. This brings on the purity. Makes me think of the Beatitudes, you know, all of the qualities. Jesus, one of the first things he said to the people Matthew 5, the beginning of his ministry, he taught them the Beatitudes where he says, Blessed art thou, or, and that word means, means uh, settled and, and, and collected are you. Happy, happy is another simple word. If you are this, all of the things, all of those Beatitudes, And within them, we find all these ideas of faithfulness and purity and and loving and all of the qualities that we we like to find in other people, 
But friends, we want to have them ourselves. So we have went over the verses um, as far as the, the language goes. And now I want to look at, um, the, and I want to survey the work here of Brother, uh, Brother Mills. The first two, pa- first two or three pages of this um, is a personal thing from him um, and some of his personal thoughts, which are good. I would definitely read them and read them again. Uh, because remember, you're, you're reading the, the, the thinking and the, some of the conclusions and, and things of, of, a, of, a very, of an older man, a man that's grown up in the church, uh, as a preacher and an elder in congregations uh, and a learned man. But when we get to uh, what I've marked page one in here, which is about uh, uh, in there about four pages, as I start with page one, where it says, More dedicated men for better churches. Well, of course, that's not the Bible. That's what Jesse says. Brother Mills. Let's look at statements one through four. Concerning the eldership for the church, when I say more dedicated, then I mean men that have the interest of the church first. This is is the thinking that Brother Mills gets from the scriptures of what? Titus 1 um, and and all the verses 5 through 9, I think. Yeah, that's what he he takes from that. Number two, men who do not hold preconceived ideas and traditions. (laughs) Well, some would say within our restoration churches that an elder is exactly that. Preconceived notions and traditions. That's how we've always done it. You see that statement? That's how we've always done it? That means nothing to me, and it shouldn't mean anything to anyone. How about that's what the apostles have said should be done? There's a statement we want to, you know, I, I've, I was talking to a young man here many years ago. He was telling me about his church. He wouldn't tell me what it was, but he said, I'm going to tell you something. He says, my Christianity goes all the way back to forget who it was now. The Wesleys. I said, well, that's a ways back. I'll tell you what, though. I said, if you want to really go back, take that faith of yours and go all the way back to the apostles of Christ. I said, when you go back there with it, you're going to find you don't need Wesleyan doctrine. It was the Wesleys that were seeking the truth of the scriptures. That's not where you stop. I said, you go all the way back. That's what the elders need to be doing. Not preconceived ideas they learned from somebody else. Not traditions. You know, traditions, we can have a tradition like a Thanksgiving meal. We can have it. If we don't have it, it doesn't mean we're bad Christians. It might mean that nobody can come, but we don't have any food. (laughs) You see, traditions are not religious uh, situations. Now, they cause great fellowship, and when we're having fellowship 
in our Thanksgiving meal, when we're assembled together, that, that's the picture of the family of God. And, and that's, what, uh, uh, that's, that's what Roger was talking about today, the people. That's, that's the church. That's what it looks like. These preconceived ideas, what we've always done, that means nothing. We need to examine what we're doing all the time. That's what we need to do. Examine it. Is this really, thus say the Lord, is this what, what the apostolic principles are really about? And if it's not, friends, uh, you know, if we, we have a lot of liberty to do a lot of things. We can start our service, believe it or not, if we wanted to. It could be uh, a little later in the day or even earlier. Who, what would that matter? Um, you know, I, I saw a whole congregation get criticized once because they were going to start their Sunday service at, at 1 o'clock. And for some reason, that was a real, that was a very unchristian thing to do. Well, come on. It means nothing. The time of day. These are the things we need. We don't want elders that are holding to things like this because they'll, they'll mandate it for everyone else. That's not the eldership, friends. That's, that's man. We might as well belong to the Moose Lodge. Number three, men who can and will discuss any issue past or present that God has spoken. One of the most important things within the eldership is right there. Now, I've heard some terrible things uh, said from elders in the church. And it wasn't terrible because they wanted them to be terrible. I don't mean uh, bad language. But I remember an elder saying, I'll be an elder, but I'm not teaching a class. Well, I guess that rather settles that matter, doesn't it? Or, from a, a very sincere and good man I heard that had been elected an elder in his church, well, I don't know much about the Bible, but, well, we have a problem. And it wasn't him. The problem was the folks that selected him for the eldership. And I, I told him when he said that, I said, you know, that's, I, I said, I'd love to talk to you about that. I said, that's terrible. I said, you're, you really feel like you're in a spot, don't you? He says, I do. I said, you know, you need to really study this. And I said, I'm sorry that that's happened to you because they haven't done, I mean, they're trying to honor you with the eldership, but for all the wrong reasons. So, I mean, these are the things that happen, friends. But an elder should be able to discuss anything in the scriptures concerning all the topics, history, prophecy, the Jewish uh, faith, the Jewish covenant, the new co everything in the scriptures. An elder is the man you go to. And we could go on and on about that, but... It, just think about it that way. They're, they're the people you go to when, when you want to find out. When you want to sit down and study, when there's a question to be asked, he's going to, if he can't help you, he'll get the answer for you because it's his responsibility. 
Number four, men dedicated to search the true meaning of God's word, which is pretty much the same as number three in a, in a lot of ways. But they're dedicated to it. They don't want to say, you know, I see what that says, but, I, you know, we can take that three or four different ways. That's not, that's not good enough. We need to do better. Do you think God's word, see, I believe in the inspiration of, of, of the Bible. So God didn't put in a phrase there that we can take whatever way we want. Like people say, well, that verse doesn't mean that to me. Well, now, what does it mean? See, that, that statement about it doesn't mean it to you, that means nothing. That doesn't help. You need to know what the Scripture says. And you might have to study a whole lot of other things and then come back to that Scripture, and then you'll know. That's usually the problem. For instance, we just got a shortcoming in that area. We're out of time this morning, but I want to continue this next week with this, and then moving on, and then a review of the, of the, of the elders' responsibility, the men, uh, and, and, their, and their ideas again. Because there's, I want to share this with you, and it's okay if you read ahead in this. Uh, <laughs> anything in here, everything in here is very interesting. And, uh, and I, think it's, uh, I think it's probably the best thing. And, I, you know, I've read a lot. Matter of fact, I have read on this subject, I have read everything that I could find from brothers uh, that I respect and, and know concerning the eldership, concerning the church leadership, concerning the ministry, concerning these things. I mean, I've made it my business to, to read. And I like this. I really like this. Because it leaves the things open that need to be left open for our consideration. And it doesn't take that hard, traditional line on things. Um, and um, it, it forces you to study God's Word and what it means. And that's what I like about it. So I'm going to pause there um, this week because this is kind of a continual uh, thing here. But this is all part of being uh, a person within the assembly when it comes to the Lord's church and the responsibilities of each one of us to be doing things uh, in, in the way that we should. So I thank you for your attention this morning. And for those listening, uh, we thank you for being here also today.